This is the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Goodison Park. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Royal Blue Podcast. I'm Phil Kirkbride, and today joined by Dave Prentice and Gav Buckland as you the fight over all the major talking points at Goodison Park and as we approach deadline day. And with the games coming thick and fast, there is plenty to get our teeth stuck into, so we will not hesitate and get stuck into... Wednesday night, Everton won, Leicester City won. Um, for me, a, a tale of two individuals, the brilliance of Hamid Rodriguez and, sadly, uh, another line on the rap sheet for Jordan pickford <laughs> Um What were your thoughts? 1-1, one, one, um, were you satisfied with the point? Was it three? Was it two points dropped or was it a point gained? It, it was a strange one. In the, yeah, ultimately, it was definitely two points dropped. I, I thought, but for one calamitous goalkeeping blunder, it was another Carlo Ancelotti masterclass, tactical masterclass. Uh, not great to watch, not easy on the eye, but you know he outthought and outcoached Brendan Rodgers in the game before Christmas, and I thought he was doing so again, and he was doing it in a fairly uh, you know pragmatic fashion. You know we defended very very deep. What do we call it nowadays? A low block, uh, you know, sort <laughs> of prevent their pace on the counter. <laughs> And um, it was not, you know, a good game to watch, but we created one or two opportunities uh, through moments and flashes of brilliance. And I think that was the plan. I think if it had been a little bit more expressive, I think you'd have suddenly seen, you know, Alan and Decore-sized holes suddenly popping up all over the midfield and, you know, a side as good and as informed as Leicester at the moment taking advantage. He didn't want that to happen. So he kept it as constricted and as conservative as he did. But it looked like it was going to work and we were well on our way to three points until, as we say, an absolute howler. Uh, well, a series of howlers, really. You know, the corner was given away in the first place by an unnecessary diversion of a ball that was going wide. And then he flapped a bit at the cross that came over. And then it was just a shocker, absolute shocker, the attempt to save the, uh, the ball. And you could tell afterwards Carlo wasn't happy. Uh, you know, he actually said in his post-match interview, I'm not going to discuss that now. This is not the other forum to discuss that. But you could sense... It was an underlying sense of frustration because he saw what had been his, you know, carefully laid plans all blown up by one, you know, sort of silly moment. So, yes, it was definitely two points dropped as a result. But the fact that we didn't lose it, uh, you know, was the second best thing. Could have pinched it still at the end, you know, with the uh, chances for Gomez. Oh, sorry, Gomez and, uh, <laughs> and, and, and Calvert-Lewin. But, you know... Even so, it's a point. You know, it's a point. And as long as we beat Newcastle on Saturday, fine. You know, so not too much lasting damage is done. A little bit frustrating, but you know, all in all, it could have been worse. Gav, I'll um, I'll throw the uh, the sort of it'll open to you to which one you choose to talk about. Do you want to choose about the the magical right boot of Hamas Rodriguez, or do you want to get anything off your chest about Jordan Pickford? Um. <laughs> Him, isn't it really? I, I, I suppose um, I like to talk about Jordan um, because I was thinking in the first half, you know, that he's been okay. You know, this right. run, like 10 or 8 games, yes. run, like, you've not, nobody's mentioned him, which in Jordan Pickford land, that's good, isn't it? You yeah, know, okay. that, that's good. You know, if it's not getting mentioned, he's doing okay, and we've not been conceded many, and he's, he's but we've not really been I mean, defending that well, Phil. That we've not really given an opportunity to. Uh, to say to save anything, so um, I think uh, he he was he's been okay, and then yeah, it, 
I, I think Rachel Finnis Brown, who was commentating on the telly, talked it through. That he just pointed out his errors. I mean, she said that he was out of position for the corner as well, which I've never realised, you know. Um, and then for the goal, I thought, um, yeah, it came to a rougher place, didn't it? I mean, we did. Let's face it, he's got stick, but we didn't defend that shot well, did we? You know, we he he, uh, he we had three or four players in and around the ball, and none of them none of them closed closed and down effectively, and came late. But you'd expect the England in number one to to save that. Um, it reminds me a little bit of Henderson's goal and the, the disallowed goal in the derby. Similar type of uh, yeah. mm-hmm. t- similar type of save or non-save. He got away mm-hmm. with it in the derby. Didn't get away with it last night. And I, I just thought it was poor. And as Pennell said, you win them one 0 You say the importance of the game made on the week. They're not really was giving them many chances, and uh, he threw it away. And Carlos, uh, Carlos' face and comments afterwards spoke volumes, didn't he, on the telly? Mm-hmm. And uh, he obviously, you know, today he was in his press and he was hinting, I think, in in so many words that not so many words that he there may be a change in the offing tomorrow as rotation. So yeah, it was it was poor. And sometimes your first reactions are the best reactions. As soon as you as soon as you had the shot and you let in, think should have saved that. Just and that's so many there. And and it but, was I mean, it was poor. But bearing in mind that tomorrow is also Newcastle United, and we know his previous in games against Newcastle. Hopefully, the fact that there's no crowd in there, you know, so sort of means that should he be selected, you wouldn't have quite that level, you know, of reaction from him. But you shouldn't be thinking in those terms. You know, you shouldn't really need, you know, sort of your goalkeeper to worry about who they're facing as to whether he should be able to, you know, sort of handle that occasion. Uh, he's learning to a degree. Because did you see his reaction immediately after he conceded it? He went as if to punch the floor in frustration. But then he obviously <laughs> thought, hang on, no, people will yeah. see that and will realise, you know, wow, that's an absolute clanger, even though he knew it was a clanger anyway. Mm. And he stopped himself from doing that, which is fine. But you want to stop himself from doing these things that he's, that he's doing, like flapping at the ball that's going wide, uh, that, you know, so coming for a cross to try and make up for that uh, in the immediate aftermath. And it's just like an emotional response. Um, the best goalkeepers aren't emotional. I've said before in these podcasts, it reminds me a little bit of Georgie Wood, who was a similar goalkeeper in like the late 70s that, you know, had a couple of good, very good seasons at Goodison. Crowd loved him because he had a personality and he bounced off the crowd, but he was an emotional goalkeeper who used to, you know, react to the crowd and react to what was going on around him. And he'd have probably one of the best performances I've seen from an Everton goalkeeper at Anfield in a game that we stole a 1-1 draw at, when he just absolutely stopped everything. But then he'd throw two or three in, home game against Newcastle, when the uh, Scotland manager, Annie McLeod, came to watch him. The counter to him is Nigel Martin, who was so dispassionate and so cool and calculating, no matter what the circumstances were, and was just clinical uh, all the way through a game. That's what you want, you know. So they're the best goalkeepers. Um, is he young enough to learn that, you know, dispassionate, you know, approach to a game? Possibly, it's costing us points at the moment, which is why I think that we might well see Robin Olsen tomorrow. Yeah, so, yeah, so, disp- so, so dispassionate. I was just going to say, so dispassionate. <laughs> so, sometimes there will be a handful of occasions when you ring Nigel up to do his echo column and he hadn't watched the game. Sorry, Gav. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was, uh, well, as you know from these podcasts, it's not necessarily, you know, a thing to watch a game to pass comments on Everton, is it really? You know, but no, no. no, seriously, I thought, well, Southgate, I think what didn't help 
Pickford in terms of the future. Southgate was there, wasn't he? On yes, uh, when and Nick Pope's obviously playing really well at the moment. Um, Burnley, he was, I think, putting Pickford under pressure before he had an injury in a year or two back, Pope. Um, and so that one, you know, I think maybe the pressure got to him as well. Mm. I, it was so totally unnecessarily within the context of the game, and uh, I was shocked and but not you know, in some ways, not surprised. Uh, I think the uh, I think the issue for me, Gav, was that when we played Leicester at the King Power in December, we managed we defended so well that we managed to restrict Leicester to two shots on target, kept a clean sheet. Yet we defended still extremely well on Wednesday and still only limited them to five shots on target, the majority of which were probably outside the area, and yet we're still conceding the goal. And 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 the issue is, look, you understand that goalkeepers make mistakes and it's that lonely existence. You are exposed in that moment, aren't you? But that we're still halfway through a league season and everything's going well, but we're still talking about the goalkeeper making fundamental errors is a real concern for me. Well, not just this season, last season as well. Um, so it, it's been, well, let's face it, it's been since his first campaign where he was outstanding and, and uh, play of the season. Yeah, yeah. It's been a regular talking point on here, has it, and elsewhere. Um, yeah, you, you, you do wonder. You do wonder. No, Carlo was talking about rotation today. You know, I'm just wondering whether also might be rotated for a, a few mm. games. I mean, it also begs the question about whether Jordan's long-term future at Everton, to be fair. You know, but there's obviously, you know, financial issues and other areas to address. Yeah, I agree. It's, it's it's not gone away, has it? But uh, it was really frustrating because we had defended well, Phil. Yes. And it's not as if they peppered our goal. Um, uh, you know, and, and I was going to say, just to, I thought it was poor the second half, Evan. I didn't. I, I found the tactics baffling after the first half. If they'd have really pressed us in the first half and, and were on their game, and I could see why we'd sit back. But we'd actually after the first ten minutes of the first half grown into the game and got a little bit of modicum of control and and I, I couldn't see in that context why we'd set out like we did straight away in the second half bringing all that pressure on us or like up but then giving them seed possession to them and I, I didn't get that and and for me it was it was not not Carlo's finest uh, 45 as ever manager I would have liked at the start of the second half to carry on this way we finished the first and we just left that I I, I get the impression that Carlo maybe cast his mind back when we played Leicester at Goodison was in July. And if you remember, he made a few changes. We ended up playing sort of 5-4-1, didn't we, second half? I think uh, against Leicester at Goodison. And he, he, tried, he got away with it then, but he didn't get away with it on uh, on Wednesday. So, yeah, I, 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 wasn't, I, wasn't, I wasn't a happy bunny at the end on uh, mm. on Wednesday. Because as, as Pano says, with his, you know, that old phrase, it was a statement of intent to be made, wasn't it, on? At Goodison, and yeah, that win would have definitely done that. And we, we've lost a little bit, I think, by especially right the other results have panned up this week. Two points lost, which could mm. be uh, could be really damaging by the end of well, the season. I was gonna say the one bonus is that we're still flying under the radar, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah absolutely. If yeah, we yeah. one, would have been in the top three, and everybody would have gone, Wow, where have everything come from? A sudden there's pressure on us. As it is, yeah, yeah. Being ignored. So, I was just yeah, going to yeah. say, Breno, in terms of you know, you you opened the pod with us, obviously, with you know, 
differing views to Gav in terms of the performance. Just going back to what Carlo said after the game, though, he said he's very comfortable with Everton defending deep. Do you think that, obviously, you know, we take that as, as his genuinely held um, position and that he is comfortable yeah. when we defend deep, but we probably wouldn't have had to defend as deep and probably going back to what Gav was talking about, probably if the midfield has held onto the ball better. And I think the expectation is if we have Alan Decore in that middle, that is not quite as hairy as, as it turned out to be. No, exactly. I think that was what I said at the outset, why I think he went into the game with the mindset that he did, because he's aware that he's only got you know the, the resources at his disposal and a completely different midfield available to him would probably have produced a different approach to the game. Um, Andre Gomez should be capable of you know sort of keeping possession, but I don't know. He seems a little bit laboured in possession sometimes. He seems a little bit slower than maybe you know so he was you know so pre-injury. And Tom Davis has been playing okay, you know, the, the last few games. But again, that's not necessarily, you know, so one of his, his his strong points. So I think with all that in mind, it's possibly why he went for the uh, the setup that he did, uh, just to try and you know nullify, you know, what Leicester can bring to the party and try and hit them with a bit of quality that we can um, on the break, if you like, try and do to Leicester what Leicester have been doing to teams, you know, away from home all season, and it was working well. Um, like I say, it was just like the one calamitous blunder. Uh, that prevented it actually yielding three points. And even then, you know, with the chances for Calvert-Lewin and Gomez at the end, you know, so it, it still could possibly have yielded that. So, yeah, it was frustrating. Uh, but, you know, an, an Italian manager would always be comfortable defending deep, I think, provided you've got the players capable of doing that. And defensively, we have. I mean, Michael Keane's had, you know, his best season for us so far. Ben Godfrey just looks better and better and better, you know, so every time you see him. Yerry Mina had a particularly good game, I thought, as well, uh, the other night. Um, you know, so it is, it's it's looking, you know, like there's a, a unit there capable of defending deep and uh, keeping chances at a premium. But bottom line is you need a goalkeeper that you've got absolute confidence in as well behind that. And mm. unfortunately, that wasn't the case on Wednesday. Yeah, um, just, yeah, Yerry Mina worthy of mention, isn't it? Because, you know, understandably been uh, a degree of criticism since he joined the football club, but really starting to look like, you know, starting to look like a £27.5 million defender. The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Gav, so let's lighten the mood then a little bit. And um, I gave you the option before, but I'm not going to give you the option now. Talk, about, <laughs> talk, talk to me in in the most glowing, poetic fashion you possibly can about James Rodriguez <laughs> and his and his goal and his ability, because ultimately he elevated the performance. It wasn't particularly. Um, no cutting should we say in the uh, final third and, and, and got us ahead didn't he yeah if you want me to talk you through my thought process before the goal it was that's a rubbish cross though pass then within like two seconds I was going what a goal mm. you know yeah uh, yeah and it was uh, it didn't yeah it was it's fantastic but that's why You've got that's why he's worth 80 million pounds at one stage in start of the World Cup, isn't it? It's moments like that's why he's been bored for those moments. Um, and that's why I was really disappointed that we never built on that. Um, yeah, it was a fantastic goal, wasn't it? Right foot, right into the corner, no chance. Um, wonderful goal, um, with his wrong foot in that mm. quoted stat that's been doing the round since the first one with his right foot outside the, the area. And, Hmm. since he's been in Europe which is uh, 
Amazing. We'll go and, um, yeah, it was a, it was a tremendous goal. Uh, a little bit unexpected, but the way, the way he's, you know, moved his body and set himself up for it, it was it's absolutely top class. Uh, you know, and what was a diff, probably a difficult game for him, to be fair. But that's what good players do, don't they? Well, exactly. Make a difference in the in 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 the in the moments that they'll have in the game if if they're under the cosh or are not getting as much of the ball as what they should be. You know, that's what they do. And it was a uh, yeah, it was a, it was a tremendous tremendous goal by him. Um, you know, it one of them. What what would it have been like with forty thousand people inside Goldstone? You know, yeah. well, um, that, but, that 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 is continuing to be the the big regret, isn't it? That that people yeah yeah people are watching him on the TV and yes we're fortunate that we're in the stadium to see him but you do you just you cannot appreciate how good he is until you've seen him in the flesh yeah well that's what I'd say just to you know to finish off on it like I'd said I think on the podcast on Monday when I'm saying how good it was against Sheffield Wednesday I'm saying yeah okay but Sheffield Wednesday it's definitely a couple of Sunday at 8pm you know we bought him to play well against the big teams you know unless they're not not a traditionally big six yeah. or whatever you would call them you know, but they are third, the second, third. They've been flying all year. Massive game for us, as I said on Monday, and he produces that in the first half. That's what we bought. You know, that's what we bought yeah. him for. You know, yeah. I know there's no fee, but his wages and all that. You know, that's what that's what we that's what we're paying for, aren't we? And, that, and more of them, please. Uh, <laughs> when we go to the, uh, the five five of the biggest clubs away from home. It's it's the biggest frustration um, of all. The, the you know, we can't let him know directly. You know, so how appreciated he is. I've said many times he's a proper old school Everton footballer that the fans would adore. And my first thought when that went in is I remember the, the atmosphere when Leighton Baines you know, scored that 25-yard blammer in the last minute against Leicester in the same goal last season when the place just absolutely erupted. Sensational goal, you know, last minute. And I, I suspect that there would have been a similar reaction to that because you see a world-class player playing for Everton Football Club, scoring goals like that against good quality opposition. He'd have loved it, you know. The fans would have loved it, and that—that's the frustrating, you know, sort of part of the whole football experience at the moment. And it's pointless bemoaning because it's not going to change anytime soon. But yeah, it's—it's it's frustrating, it certainly is. Do you, we, you two of, of my thinking, and, and you know, we we talked about Hammers coming to the football club before he did. But I don't know if you two were either on the same lines as me when I was thinking. Sounds great. Trust Carlo if he wants him. But there must be a catch. There must be mm-hmm. something about Hammers that he that means Everton can sign him. I mean, it seems like we've been I've been proven completely wrong, and there doesn't appear to be a catch. He's just a very good footballer, and we have the manager who can get the best out of him. No, I think it depends on you know what your expectations are as a football club. Um, you know, obviously he's come from a football club whose expectations are to win Champions Leagues, and you know, sort of absolutely be their league champions as a matter of course. Um, so he's got to have everything about his game 100% perfect. Um, similar to the situation when Gareth Bale was there, you know, so he couldn't get into Real Madrid's starting lineup, even though he was an absolutely world-class talent. Um, Everson's expectations are a little bit less than that at the moment. Hopefully it's only for a, a short-term thing. Um, but you know, as a result, we can probably indulge the deficiencies in the defensive part of his game, which are there, you know, he works hard, no doubt about whatever about that. But, you know, he's not a player that will, you know, sort of chase up and down and will win back possession, even though he tries to do that. He's just got that, you know, world-class talent, you know, sort of in the attacking third that creates goals. Uh, but, you know, to play for a club 
that has got ambitions, you know, absolutely sky high. Maybe you need to have even more than that. So I think that's the catch. You know, the, the catch is just purely expectation levels. And, you know, we can indulge a little bit. I was quite surprised or you know, quite pleased at the way in which we played him on Wednesday. That's probably his, his most effective position, you know, just off a striker, if you like, nominally the number 10 role. When he plays on the right-hand side, you know, you expect a little bit more defensive uh, discipline from him. Otherwise, it exposes whoever's playing on the right, which is what I was said before. Ben Godfrey is probably a better option on that side rather than maybe Seamus Coleman when Hamas Rodriguez is playing there. Uh, but that's all, you know, sort of for the future. Uh, but, yeah, just to answer the question, I think that's the catch. Just the fact yeah. that, you know, you know, we are a team success for us this season will be finishing in the top four or winning the FA Cup, you know, not not winning a Champions League, which, you know, Bayern Munich or Real Madrid would be aiming for. Yeah. But of course, uh, the, the, the way that Hammers, even when he does start on the right wing, the way he just sort of plays where he wants, just just just, <laughs> just lead me to believe that when but when Carlo is delivering the, uh, the, the, the tactical briefing before the game, he's not in the room. He's delivered it in English, isn't he? And uh, Hamas is actually saying, oh, not comprending, not comprending. <laughs> um, Gav, um, I asked Carlo, I think, in the build-up to the game, if these press conferences are coming thick and fast, I can't remember them. Um, yeah. Sort of, I, so I said, look, Carlo, club signed Hammers on a two-year deal, but they have the option to extend it by 12 months. It can be triggered by appearances, but the club can do it when they want. You know, when when will you advise the club to do it? I mean, it seems daft after 15 league games that we're talking about this, but is there any reason to wait? Um, that's an interesting one. Uh, I, I think let's look at it at the end of the season. Okay, yeah. When we've had the full season of playing, playing all the big teams home and away, look at it then, I think, and then, uh, then we can take a view. I get it. I mean, I, I think it's notable. There's all the assists and goals being at Goodison in the Premier League. Yeah, yeah, is that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Crazy, has, I believe he has created the shed load. The chances away from home just not converted any of them, have yeah. which is the other side of the coin, I suppose. Well, he, it, well it, he's, it, the, he's the king of the pre-assist, Gavin. I know you like that phrase. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Away from home, you know. Yeah, I was just getting used to assists now, you know, accepting that. After years. No, no, I, I believe at the end of the season, I don't think we need to complicate things, but I wanted to I wanted to affect games in the big when he's playing against players who are the same standard of them, but they're playing for the opposition. I want him to play for to me that's what he's being for for. Yeah. So we've got one a player, I mean, we've got a number of players actually these days. We've got, you know, we've got three or four players to, who can hurt the opposition. And those are the big games of what I want to see him play. Uh except for Wednesday at home, yeah, okay, yeah. Granted, he's going to play well there. But it, it's when we go to City, when we go to Anfield, uh, Old Trafford, Arsenal and, and Chelsea, those five games, keep him fit for them. I mean, yeah. I mean that's the other thing, Phil. I, I don't know whether he's ever been 100... We've had this conversation when he's been 100% yeah. fit since he's been here. Well, and that's the yeah. other thing to factor in, factor in uh, into the conversation. that we has, He has looked pretty close to full fitness last few, few days, strong, a few games. He, he looked stronger than what he did earlier on. Uh, so it's fitness, all that type of performance levels. I, I do agree. I think if you play four four one one, he doesn't have to press as much, does he? I think yes. there's yeah, four yeah, midfielders yeah. behind him. But if you play four two three one, he has to. There's only two midfielders behind him. Uh, so I think it, it, it gives you that insurance playing him there. Um, whether that get, that gets the best out of Carvalho, though, is another 
of a question, isn't it? Mm, uh, indeed. But, uh, yeah, but no, but I think let's just see at the end of the season and, and review things then with uh, with Hamas. No, sensible. But great goal. Indeed. Uh, but speaking about those top sides, uh, it's, it seems to be either way when we record the uh, Royal Blue podcast on the Fridays. Stuff happens. It's a confirmation, just as Gav was speaking there, of the fixture amendments. Obviously, earlier today, the FA Cup tie with Spurs was confirmed for the Wednesday evening. The Manchester United game at Old Trafford has been put back now till Saturday, February the 6th at 8 o'clock, which, of course, is helpful. And the trip, uh, sorry, not the trip, the visit of Fulham has been put back to Sunday, February the 14th at 7pm. So a um, little bit of leeway for, for Everton uh, either side then of that Spurs FA Cup game and then obviously following that Fulham game six days uh, before the derby. OK, uh, moving on. Um, sort of the great January transfer auctions seems to be moving into swing. Uh, sounds like Jenk Tosin is going, maybe Bernard is going and Yannick Balassi Preno has gone. Hmm. Um and effectively, his Everton career is now over. Um, sure. Is it a tale of what could have been? Were you ever, pre, you know, pre-injury, were you ever convinced about Balassi? Or has it just sort of been a, another one to add on to the list of, of uh, poor transfer decisions made uh, in this period? It's one of those shrug-your-shoulders kind of uh, transfers, unfortunately. Um the best thing I can say about him before he came to Everton is he always seemed to have a good game against us, mm-hmm. uh, but, but you know, for Crystal Palace. But generally, you never really saw that much to you know, think you or you know make you think that you know Ronald Koeman's expenditure on him was worthwhile. It was twenty odd million, wasn't it? We, we, we twenty five, yeah, twenty five, which which is a lot of money, you know, for and you know a direct winger that doesn't score that many goals. Um, he was okay, you know, so for, for a time. Um, I know he set up quite a few goals for Romelu Lukaku. Um, you know, they seem to have quite a nice rapport, you know, so playing off each other. But, you know, it, it certainly wasn't Dave Thomas, Bob Latchford levels of, you know, uh, telepathy. It was, you know, it, it was okay. Uh, and then, unfortunately for him, he suffered that effectively, you know, um, club-ending injury, if you like, you know, not career-ending, but, you know, his spell at Everton was never the same again after that injury. And it was so innocuous in the way in which it happened as well uh, against Manchester United, wasn't it? A Goodison where he just seemed to like fall over near the corner flag and was never quite the same after that. And so it's, it's unfortunate for him. Uh, but yeah, it has to go down, I think, as one of those poor transfer decisions. Uh, fate played its part in it. But equally, I think it was an awful lot of money for a player who was relatively long in the tooth anyway. You know, I think he was about 26, 27, was he, when we signed him? Uh, so... Yeah, it's just one to write off, unfortunately. It shows you, you know, what, what a poor decision it was and how long it's taken us to try and move him on. A series of loan moves because nobody else wanted to take a chance on, you know, signing him permanently. I enjoyed the, um, the Seamus Coleman, you know, sort of message to him this morning. You know, clearly the lad's attitude has been great on the training pitch. And it was good to see Seamus Coleman, you know, acting like a good captain should by trying to, you know, sort of encourage him and try and keep his, you know, enthusiasm high. But bottom line is, you know, a new manager has come in or several new managers have come in <laughs> and uh, not, not, not really um, fancied the look of him. And, you know, it, it's one that's been difficult to move on that we have now finally moved on. Literally, what is it? Three or four months from the end of his contract. Yeah. So, yeah, you know, it's, it, as I said, it's a shrug your shoulders one. You know, it, it's not really worked for us, unfortunately. It's not really worked for him. And it's just, it's, it's just sad. Mm. Gav, would we be talking about Yannick in, in different terms? Had the injury not struck, or 
did you always sense that it was not a signing that really would offer any long-term uh, sort of yield, if you like? Um, yeah, I think it was age, I think, Phil, to be honest with you. I mean, what I would say is when we signed him, didn't Seamus say that he was the hardest player he played mm. against? Yeah. You know, I mean, we're saying that, that you know, given Seamus' seniority and experience, at the club that that probably carries a lot of weight in his uh, in his in his sign and to be fair I always I always liked it because he always played well against Liverpool as well didn't he Balassi yes. um, <laughs> which which was another another you know, not the worst thing to have on your CV I'm not sure I think he would have got got what you got in the first half 16 17 a few bright thing bright moments but not not really working out. I think he did get one one or two Premier League goals for us in the end of things, something mm. like that, which yeah. reflects his general career, um, general career path really. So I'm not not sure whether we've missed him. I, I don't know what it sounds right whether we we've missed out on anything massive with him being injured. It's just been very sad. I mean, what what's happened really for both parties? It's probably stopped him get having a career elsewhere, hasn't it? In some respects, yes. yeah. Um, yeah. He's probably wasted probably three years of his career because obviously it's not just clubs don't fancy him, it's don't fancy his wages. That's the yeah. other thing, isn't it? You know, yeah. Um, yeah. So that, that's one of, I mean, we don't really want to go into our 2016 17 signings again, do we, in detail? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and wages and all that type of residual values, and all that type of thing. Uh, yeah, I don't think we would have seen any more value from us what we did in the opening uh, for that season. It just mm. just didn't work out really, did it? You know, no. it's just quite sad. No, if you, if you think of like you know moments from players, I can only really think of uh, a couple from Yannick Balassi. One was a a lovely direct run and across to the far post for Lukaku to score in a League Cup tie away somewhere. What was the game where we scored about four or five goals? Uh, uh, that one sticks out. And then when, post injury, when uh, the derby match at Goodison. When he uh, tried to bend one in from the edge of the penalty area, and uh, it was just like you know, sort of touched wide. Uh, you know, there could have been a you know a derby match goal, uh, in which case the twenty-five million would have been absolutely money well spent. <laughs> 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 uh, an absolute yeah. bargain. But the yeah, fact yeah. that you know you're struggling to think of moments other than that, you know, underlines what a you know disappointing time it's been really. Mm. Um, trying to st- st- stick with you, obviously, you know we know Jake Tosin could well be going. Um, Besiktas, the SKA, look interested. Uh, John Joe Kenny could be going to Burnley. Um, the club obviously try to work to get Mel Besic out, but one that's cra- right. cropped up in the last couple of days is Anthony Gordon. The club potentially reconsidering their stance about whether to loan him out, but it seems that it hinges on what happens to Bernard. Would you be? Happy to see Anthony go out for, for four or five months? Happy is probably not the right word to use, um, but I can understand the rationale. Um, I'm disappointed he's not had more game time because what we have seen from him has been bright. And, um, you know, you want to see a little bit more to see if he's capable of producing it over a more sustained period. But, you know, Carlo is the man that, you know, sees him on a regular basis in training and presumably decides that he can't, which is why we haven't seen more of him. Um, you know, the Ellis Sims, you know, move on loan made absolute sense, you know, because he's not going to get any game time um, in the first team at Goodison. So we need to try and build, you know, his, his league experience at Blackpool. Anthony Gordon has had game time, though, and has looked bright. And so I kind of hope that you would have seen a little bit more. 
So no, happy is not the, the right word, but if it's going to mean he's going to get more exposure and he's going to get more experience, fine, so be it. Um, a bit surprised it's either him or Bernard. I would have liked to have thought that, um, you know, Carla would make a decision one way or the other and stick with one till the end of the season, or maybe he's going to. And if, if Bernard isn't going to move on anywhere, that's where Anthony Gordon will be moved on. Uh, so, yeah, I'm not, not happy to see him moving on, but if it means he gets a little bit more exposure, at a championship level, maybe. Hopefully, good for all parties concerned. Gav, obviously, as, as Prenner mentioned, that a host of championship clubs interested, but continues to be interest from Germany. The last young winger we sent on loan to Germany didn't want to come back. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Look, and, and there's no suggestion at all that Anthony doesn't want to be at Everton or anything like that. But, you know, you can get a positive four or five months in the Bundesliga, play plenty of football, and all of a sudden your thinking can change, can't it? Yeah, I think he needs to move. To me, the problem I have with Anthony Gordon is I just don't think he's physically strong enough at this stage of his career. It's obviously something he can develop. He, he just appears to be a little bit lightweight to me. Uh, and he, he needs that experience of, of regular regular combat, for want of a better phrase, with you know, senior opponents. Um, he he needs that, whether that's in the Championship or the Bundesliga, doesn't really matter to me. I just think he needs to get used to the the tempo and the physicality of the game. I, it always strikes me that he always he seems to be quite easy to push off the ball. Um, and he, he naturally bulk up a little bit as well. Um, but I think, um, well, he has done the last 12 months, hasn't he, for a start. Um, I, I, I just, just game time somewhere. Um, Bundesliga, not so sure. Um, I, 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 championship would be good for him. To be fair, I think uh, as in, you know, Alice Sims as well is obviously playing lower lower down. Um, yeah, so definitely alone uh, for me. Just needs game time. You know, getting into the rhythm of get, getting used to the, the physicality of it on a far more regular basis than what he's getting at the moment. Okay, we shall see. Of course, we'll be across uh, every every movement uh, in the next few days. And of course, Monday, 11pm is the deadline. Uh, okay, before we wrap up, it is predictions time. 12.30, Preno, Everton, welcome. A very sorry-looking Newcastle United uh, to Goodison. Uh, how's it going to pan out? Um, I'm hoping it's going to be an absolutely routine, and mundane 2-0 Everton victory. Um, normally I've been a little bit more expressive than that in, uh, in recent predictions, but we're just defending so well at the moment and you know looking so solid. There's nothing from Newcastle to suggest that you know we've got anything you know so massively to fear in terms of their attacking output. So the downside is that's the one game this season that's been really frustrating. You know the reverse Ugh. fixture up at St James's Park. I mean it was just a shocker that day, wasn't it? And I hope they're not going to be one of those teams that you know you just can't work out. Um, I was quite pleased to see that Steve Bruce is still there. Um, you know, so still employed. Didn't want new new manager uh, syndrome uh, coming in any time uh, during that. You know, before the match kicks off. So. Uh, yeah, I'm going to go with uh, with with two nil and uh, Dominic Calvert Lewin, you know, to uh, get back on the yeah. score sheet. Lovely guy, Gav. Yeah, I was just thinking there when Penno said two nil. I thought it was going to be a routine two nil last season after ninety three minutes, <laughs> and we all know what happened. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We all know what happened then. Yeah, I want to go with a routine two nil. What did you say two yeah. nil there, Penno? When he ended, I did say two nil. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, Oh no, I'm going to go different then. I'm going to go three now. Uh, yeah. Cavalier, I think, 
Do you know stats? Phil eleven is first eleven, none in his last six. Is it something like that in the Premier League? Right. Yeah. Could do with, yeah. Could do with a goal. Um, yeah, they're not offering much. Are they got a terrible last last nine games and not won? Is it something like that? Yeah. Um, lost seven. We've lost. We only lost one of our last eight. So the, the trajectories of the two clubs are going in the complete opposite directions. So. Mm. Um, my, you, my only my only concern would be Callum Wilson. Is he fit? Because he just always <laughs> scores. Whoever he's playing yeah. for, he scores against Everton. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But my only body thought I've said we went Phil with my record, so uh, I wouldn't. That's <laughs> the biggest worry that I'm predicting a three 0 win. Um, and hopefully, Prano will send me some lager around. By the way, if uh, yeah, if, it, I, if be, my three nice, comes in, really, really ambitious predictions that come true. I think I think it started yeah. back when uh, when Adam predicted a derby match victory, and I said, "You get the bottle of champagne if that comes through." True. Yeah. Obviously, Sheffield Wednesday three and L. Just a you know, a few bottles of lager for that one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we know who the favourites are on this podcast, Phil, yeah. don't we? Now, yeah. you know, yeah, we know, we know where um, we stand. We're, we're looking, yeah, for yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> no, but seriously, 3 0, routine 3 yeah. 0. I'll go rather than the routine 2 0. Yeah, yeah, I think 3 0. And, and I would also confidently, yeah, and I also would confidently predict that if Lightning did strike twice again and we and we drew 2 2, having been in the lead in the 90 odd minute, Carlo's reaction would be. In no way as calm and as pragmatic and <laughs> philosophical as it was last season, because yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he was he was very cool. Oh, you know, football. I've, he I've, might have been cool publicly. I suspect privately it was uh, very, well, very different. I think I think if that happened again uh, publicly, yeah. though, he also would uh, wouldn't be happy. But fingers crossed, as you say, Preno, two teams in different trajectories, two different, completely. Squads hopefully uh, make amends for the game at St James's Park early in the season. Chaps, thank you very much for your company and thank you very much Pleasure. for listening. Um, we will be at Goodison tomorrow, twelve thirty kickoff. Adam Jones and myself covering the game and across the weekend and of course rolling into Monday's transfer deadline where we will see what happens. But we suspect mainly it will be outgoings. But you never know, dear. It's January; anything can happen. This has been the Royal Blue Podcast. You've been listening to the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.